All right. Welcome to the Great Work Podcast. This week, we have a very special episode. I'm so excited about this episode. Um, today, we are talking all things LGBTQ rights in Israel and Tel Aviv. This will be a long episode, so I won't do a long intro. But before we get into it, please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, rate me five stars if you think I deserve it. Share with a friend if you think that they would like to hear it. And I will kind of go over what we're going to do in this episode. So first, I'm going to play some individual interviews with Moses and Sahar, you guys probably know both of them from TikTok. Um, I won't explain those too much because you know them um, and they'll they'll explain it to you yourself. Unfortunately, I was not able to schedule a an individual interview with Lenore. So I'll just give you a little bit of an introduction to Lenore here. Lenore, um, she is the CEO of a like the largest organization for trans women in Israel. She is of Moroccan descent. She is the first trans woman to, or trans person, I believe even, to serve in the Knesset, which is Israel's parliament. And I'm so grateful that she wanted to come on this panel as well. Um, so I think, you know, hopefully if after this episode, one of the annoying things that people always say is like, oh my God, you're so biased. Now, unfortunately, we could not speak to any gay people in Palestine or in the Palestinian territories because they would be there routinely unalived. And Lenore tells a story about that um, later in the episode. But I think from listening to this, you'll get a good idea of like what it's like for a trans person living in in Israel, um, what's what it's like for a gay person living in a village, like in kind of a kibbutzim is what it seems like in Israel. And then what it's like for a gay person growing up and living in Tel Aviv. Um, Tel Aviv obviously being a big kind of cosmopolitan city, these kibbutzim are, you know, smaller areas. You know, it, it's to me, it's like if, if we're talking about gay rights in the United States, it would be like learning from like a trans person and then a gay person in New York City versus a gay person in Iowa. You know, those are going to be different experiences. I think we, in this episode, you're going to get a, a feel for the differences and experiences between these three individuals. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Moses. All right. Welcome, Moses, to the Great Work Podcast. Moses and I met on one of my lives. He was one of the first guests I ever had up. And the other first guest I ever had up was Jess, who you all know she's been on before. So I'm really excited to have Moses on and do this series talking about what it's like to be gay in Israel, because it's very different being gay in Israel versus the rest of the Middle East. And I think Moses has a lot to say about that. So Moses, do you want to give a little bit about your background? Um, yes. Um, my name is Moses in Hebrew, Moshe. Um, I'm 30 years old. Um, I've been living in Israel my entire life. Um, I live in a small city called Kiryat Gat. Um, well, That's I'm great. North? Is that and around the middle of Israel? Like okay. if you if you cross if you draw a line from the top and but bottom of Israel, Kirit Gad is like right in the center, and it was also the place when on October seventh when the terrorists when they were the Hamas terrorists uh, when they uh, infiltrated into Israel when they committed all the atrocities, their plan was 
to reach all over to my city, all the way on their maps, on their bodies to Kiryat Gat, and to cut the country into two, basically the south and the north, like center north. And that's what they wanted to do. They, they managed to get about 10 minutes away from my city. Like, um, yes. Yes, they were about 10 minutes away from here. Um, if they would have gotten here, I don't know what would have happened. There's a good chance um, that something would happen to me because I was um, running while there were still missiles um, being above us. I was I ran over all over. It's about five, seven minutes walking distance. I ran, but I ran to toward my grandmother's house. She has a caregiver. Uh, the part thing she's Muslim from, I think, uh, Tajikistan, something like that, or Azerbaijan, one, one of, one of those countries. Um, and I came, I went, I ran over there. I had like a kitchen knife in my hand and a hammer in my pocket in case something would happen. It's after what some of the videos started to come, uh, to being aired on TV and Telegram and everything and TikTok people start talking. And I ran over there. I board up their windows like blankets. I told them what to do. I have a friend from TikTok. Her name is Lauren. I think you, you've spoken to her. Mm -hmm. She's from Florida because uh, the, my grandmother's caregiver, she's new in Israel. She doesn't really know much Hebrew yet. And English also not, not that much. So, but she knows Russian. Lauren knows Russian. I called her on WhatsApp and she helped me translate everything to the caregiver and safety precautions for both of them. We board up the windows and close the door. I told her, put something against the door in case something would happen. So if, yeah, if something would have happened, there would have been a chance that when I went there or when I came back, something would have happened if they managed to reach here. I'm not far away. I'm not going to say which entrance to the city, but not far away from one of the entrances. Well, thank God they are. Yes. Yes. And yes. I want to, so, and you are Jewish. Yes. Yes. Both sides. Both sides. Do you know um, where throughout the diaspora your family was and when they came back to Israel? Um, yes, I, I know some of it. I never really asked. I didn't want to dwell with my grandparents and also uh, my, my maternal grandparents um, passed away when I was younger. Uh, like really young before I before I knew everything before it was something that was um a part of the day to day life when you're when you're starting your teenager years. Um, my mother's side they came from Romania, and uh, which we know that a lot of the Romanian Jews are actually being kicked out of Spain during the times of the Inquisition. Mm -hmm. So I am not really in contact with my mother. But um, from what I understood, um, that's probably that's probably that kicked from Spain. They were kicked from Spain and got all the way to Romania and stayed there up until like 1958 when they were allowed to come to Israel. My mother and two and her two sisters. There is uh, both, um, there's at least three cousins that we know of. Um, um, were, were, were murdered in the Holocaust what? from my mother's side. My grandmother and my mother's side, uh, my grandmother and my grandfather from my mother's side, they were both from uh, in an open uh, labor camp 
from what I know, my grandmother was sewing and fixing uniforms for the Nazis. And uh, yeah, it was a labor camp. And my grandfather, because he was a carpenter and electrician, so he was useful. My mother has a photo of him, and I've seen this photo next to the wall of death, where they would put people in a row and shoot them. You see splatters of blood and bullet holes in the wall behind him. They used to say they used to send him on poles, like uh, elect electricity poles, and of without any harnesses, without anything to protect him. Because if his knee would have fallen, okay, another dead Jew. That's basically it. Yeah. From my dad's side, my paternal grandparents, um, they are Libyan Jews. Mm -hmm. um, they came here after they were kicked out of Libya. But a few that may, may, they managed to stay in hiding before they were kicked out. Yeah. Um, actually, my grandfather, he was sent here to live in a kibbutz. I don't remember which one. Um, when he was about 12 or 14, my grandmother came here when she was about 14. They spent about, yeah, six, seven years inside. Uh, they were actually being hit in an Arab village by Muslims. They hit them. People who, yeah, gave, almost gave their life for them. And the close friends, they was, they swore to protect my, uh, my father's family. And uh, my, my, my father was already, was already born here in Israel. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm from my mother's side, first generation in Israel. Uh, she came here when she was a baby. From my dad's side, I'm second generation here in Israel. That's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, That's it is. So it's actually, it is. And also, they also consider Holocaust survivors. Yeah. From my, uh, from my grandma, from my father's side. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. so it's so interesting because I feel like people always focus on the European Jews, but you have both. And that's one of the people act like we're still in 1948 and people are all one thing, but you are a mix of both and you're Israeli, right? A hundred percent. My They asked me, where was your father from? He was born here. Well, my grandparents were kicked out. They, You know what? It's not even kicked out. It, they were ethnically cleansed mm -hmm. from Libya. Same thing from Romania. Uh, it's slightly different because they were the prisoners of Zion a little bit, like in in type ask, you know, like what happened, like what happened in the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. Romania was kind of in it, but not really. It's it's, it's similar but different. Mm -hmm. And but yeah, that's uh, that's that's the funny thing. But all Jews, all of us have at least some family members who never left here. Probably very, very far away, like third uh, degree cousin or a 12 degree cousin that never left the country. Um, yeah. Very interesting. So do you want to give a little bit, because what we're doing this episode about is you're gay. Yeah. Can you talk about being gay in yeah. Israel, your coming out story, stuff like that? Uh, yes. Um, I'm what you call a very late bloomer. Uh, up until when I got into the military... I, me personally, I never really had an attraction to anyone. Um, I Now I know when I'm 30, I know that when I was 18, 19, I, I did, uh, was attracted to boys, but I was very um, pushing it down. I, was very, I, I pushed it down and 
<laughs> it's a funny thing. Um, I had a fight with my commander, and I don't know, I had, you know, after you have huge fights, you have a moment of clarity. I was talking to one of my best friends from base. Uh, we're still in contact, me and her. She's actually an American who moved to Israel when she was a child. Um, yeah. And I told her, you know, I don't know why, but my brain is clear right now after this big fight with my with our commander. And and I said, I don't know why, but I feel like I, I want a boyfriend. I want a husband. That's basically, I think, the type of coming out I did. Mm-hmm. But you probably know that as a gay person, you always come out for the rest of your life. From the second you, you, you're coming out, you're coming out every time because you're coming out to those friends you're coming out to those friends um me personally i never really did came out it's like that's me that's what is that's what there is deal with it Mm -hmm. that's it i'm here i'm queer get used to it um it's a fun (laughs) thank you i love you too (laughs) um a funny story is like I've spoken. I have like three groups of friends that were friends to ever since. Um, like me and other three girls, and <laughs> since high school. They're not from my high school, but we met through a program that made up a few children from high schools. Um, it was we know each other since around 2010. Um, so like 13 years now, going on 14. Wow. And yeah, that's a long time. I'm old. Uh, (laughs) um, So we were walking down a shopping center, like an open shopping center, you know, when there's like stores, it's very open space. And they were always trying to fix me up, two of them, trying to fix up with the third one. Oh, but I forgot I haven't spoken to them about it. And I always spoken to the one they tried to set me up with. So we're walking, we, yeah, we were walking and we were talking about something. And then I said, we're going to seek to look at clubs. And I, and I told them, yeah, as the gay guy of the group, as the gay person, and the two of them just walked, they literally, like in the movies, they stopped, looked at each other like this. And like, <laughs> I'm like, What? Yeah, that's not a surprise. I've already, we already spoke of, spoken about it because for me it was like a casual thing. And they told me, "No, you haven't." I said, "Really?" It's like I did not know. I forgot that I haven't told you because I already told to the the one friend they tried to set me up with. We were very open, and yeah, nobody cares. They were just like they were just surprised. Um, I had another friend that she said, "Oh, you're 100 percent gay." But maybe let me deal with it. I'm not gay. Leave me alone. I'm not gay. He said, you're so gay, Moses. You're so gay. <laughs> she knew before I was. Uh, basically, um, I don't talk about me being gay. Some people do know this. Some people don't. I had a couple girls, at least two fingers, who had a crush on me. But I couldn't put it in words why um, I cannot go on a date with you. Mm-hmm. I... I, we can be friends, but not more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, basic, um, because I don't talk about it with people. I don't think it's their, um, uh, their business. They're each. Yeah. It's yeah. not their business. It's, it, it's, I don't think you're, you're not a huge part of my life. 
Um, you're not integral to me. And for everyone, if they ask me, I answer. Usually I'm using a sarcastic, snarky way to do it because I'm very sarcastic. I'm like a Chandler Bing. I'm basically, a, if it was a friend, I'm a Chandler, um, but a gay one. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, basically that's it. Um, me personally, as a concept, I'm kind of, um, if you a bit of my worldview, I'm against the concept of coming out um, because it still makes it as something special. It's as something uh, out of the normal um, because when people will not care about it, um, when they stop caring about it or doing a coming out thing, we know we hit the place we got, sorry, not hit, we got to the place that it's so normal. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. It's 100% normalized. Um, if you think about it, because straight people don't have to come out. Right. It's the norm. People already ex- or uh, like accept it. Mm-hmm. It's like when parents find out their kids, uh, their kid is gay, and some parents know, some parents don't know. The parents who don't know or they are in denial, they literally go into a grieving process um, because the child they thought they knew is gone, is basically dead. Because parents, us as humans, we already Im- like to imagine the future. We, we the, so parents like to imagine their kids' lives. Oh, he's gonna grow up. He's gonna have wife, uh, a wife, like two kids, little three kids. No matter, no matter what, I'm gonna be a grandfather, a grandmother, and um, as long as when this thing gonna stop happening, like again, that we will not need the concept of coming up. I think we reach a goal in society. Awesome. Then we can, yeah. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much. And I'm excited to have you on this panel. All right. And we've got Saharo, who you all know from TikTok as well. I'm excited to have you on this panel to talk about everything, all things LGBTQ in Israel. But first, yes. So let's (laughs) let the audience get to know you first. So can you give a little bit about your background, your history? Sure. Um, my name is Sal, Saharo, like everyone knows me. Um, I live in Tel Aviv. I grew up in Tel Aviv, grew up and raised in Tel Aviv. Um, I'm 30 years old. Um, people knows me who's someone who's very loud on TikTok, but usually, uh, in my work time, I do digital marketing. Um, I promote uh, local businesses in Israel. Um... I live next to my mom, my beautiful mom. Um, what can I say about my family? I grew up only with my mom and my granny on my mom's side. Um, my uh, parents got divorced when I was very young. Don't worry, it's not a sad story. Um, and yeah, what can I say about myself? Regular gay guy had the best time of his life, the best education. I grew up in Jaffa. I grew up in Ramat Aviv. If people know the areas of Tel Aviv, they will know uh, exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. It's just another gay guy in Tel Aviv. <laughs> <laughs> so Jaffa's like the really hip area now, right? Yeah. Uh, There's a Soho house there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, but the Soho house is like a bit far from the center. I um, know which, if, if this is the right Soho house we're talking about. 
but yeah, it became a cool place to live in. Well, because yeah. it was also elevated, the area was... Back in the days, Jaffa used to be a very, very old... Tel Aviv didn't really put an effort on renovating the city. Now it's beautiful. Now it looks like uh, if you go to Europe, it, it gives you the vibes of some European uh, city. You got the metro now. You got all the old city renovated, um, real estate, uh, new uh, real estate buildings, you know, new apartments. It's become very expensive to live there. So, yeah. And did that used to be an Arab area for the most part? It's always, it, 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 it yeah. was always a multicultural city and it still is. There is Arab community in the city of uh, Christians, Muslims, and Jews. I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a street that everyone knows, like the main street in Jaffa, it's called Yefet. Right at the beginning of Yefet, next to the clock hour, where during the British mandate, they built it. And this is like the center of the city where you can literally see the coexistence between the Jews, Muslims, and uh, Christians. So all that nonsense they always get on TikTok of, uh, of discrimination and apartheid and all that, it's nothing near to what I was experiencing as a young, uh, young boy in Jaffa. And it's also, uh, it, it has a very important part in the education that I got. This is why I'm so tolerant, respecting, even though I can be a bit rude when I'm giving my criticisms. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Because I've seen, I've seen all kinds of, uh, kind of flavors, as I was saying. All kinds of people, all, all kinds of uh, colors. That's a cool way to grow up. Yeah, I know. I had, I had Christmas. Ramadan oh. and Hanukkah all combined. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, nice. can you give a little bit of background about your family background? Like, when did they come to Israel? So, as I said before, part of my family never left the country. My family is very mixed. The origins of my family in general, from my mom and my father's side, uh, they had a trip. They came from Morocco. Part of them immigrated to Turkey, then came from Turkey back to Israel. Part of them never left the land. They lived in Tiberia, they lived in Tzvan. They never left the land. Um, this is what we call Tzabar, people who never left the land. Jewish Tzabar is people who never left the land. Um, I have some family who did some pitch stop in France and then came back. This is why I have a <clears throat> French passport. Let's not talk about it. Then they will call me European. <laughs> 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 and then, and then, yeah, my mom's side, most of my mom's side grew up here. My mom, uh, uh, my mom grew up here. My granny grew up in Turkey. Uh, from my grandfather's side, they came from Morocco, from Fez. And from my father's side, I'm not, I'm not that educated on because I wasn't growing up with my father. Don't worry, it's not a sad story. I wasn't growing up with a father since the age of uh, three. So I know that uh, most of them came from uh, Morocco and some of them came from here, never left. This is what I know, like in general, let's say. So Moroccan Jew, would that be considered Mizrahi or oh. Sephardi? Yes, Mizrahi. definitely. Mizrahi, Sephardic Jews, I listen, I'm very mixed. When it comes to that, I am very mixed. 
I mean, I know that I have also some Sephardic join me because my grandmother speaks Latino. Latino is the language of, uh, of the people who lived in Spain. Mm -hmm. So there is some origins from uh, Sephardic Jews and it's all combined with Mizrahi and Sephardic Jews. Um, but yeah. Interesting. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I represent the whole world, honey. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So, and then you live in Tel Aviv, which is the most tolerant city for um, gay people in the entire Middle East. I would definitely define just this. Yeah, the yeah. most tolerant, open-minded, and you know what? Maybe also one of the most open-minded cities that I've ever been or living at in the entire world. And I've been visiting lots of countries. I've been to South Africa. I've been to most of Europe, America. Um, I've been to um, Asia. So yeah, Tel Aviv is one of the most... Listen, there's a reason why Tel Aviv is a very hot destination for uh, LGBT people to come and visit and have a vacation here because this city is really the combination of the sea, the food, the vibes, the people, the weather, it's like a good combination. And that's what makes this city, I think, very special. That's so cool. Yeah. I've been to Tel Aviv and I remember like how open it is. They have like the crosswalk is rainbow flag. It's like you could not find that anywhere else in the Middle East. Um, but people yeah. like to talk about like, oh, it's not actually that tolerant. I'm like, well, that wasn't my experience. I think that it's not only happening in uh, Tel Aviv when we talk about Israel as a whole. It's already happening in so many other cities, such as Ramat Gan, which is next to Tel Aviv, and you got Haifa, which is also very tolerant towards this, and Beersheba, and you got lots of cities that are progressing towards this. So I would say that the whole country is uh, is uh, witnessing an LGBT revolution that started in the late nineties. Uh, uh, but I agree with you, Israel. Tel Aviv is a very <laughs> Tel Aviv is literally if uh, if we wouldn't have a conflict with the countries around us, the amount of LGBT people coming to Tel Aviv from those countries would be sick and insane. I mean, I see what happens after the. Uh, Abrahamic Accords with the UAE, and I see how much uh, guys from the UAE coming to visit Tel Aviv, and it's uh, it's it's insane. It is really insane. But uh, yeah, it's important to have a city like Tel Aviv in the Middle East, where it's not a very happy place for uh, LGBT people, I would say. Yeah. So finally, before we wrap up and go to the panel, do you want to tell your coming out story? Sure. I have a very funny coming up story and I love to tell it to people. Well, I, back in the days, I was a teenager who didn't understood my sexuality. I always thought that, okay, it will pass. I have to date a girl and I will be with a girl because this is what it is. And I wasn't the typical, you know, gay guy who was playing dolls and no, it was already... Uh, there was already signs and uh, whatever. I was literally playing basketball. I was like uh, hanging out with the dudes. Um, I dated girls, by the way. And yeah, I it felt like I'm just another regular teenager. But then when I was 17 and 18, 
uh, I met a guy and, uh, and, and it completely blew my mind. I mean, I was very confused at first, but then, you know, I don't know how to say it in English, but when, when you're finally, uh, finally understanding with yourself that you're, that's it, Sal, you're gay. I mean, there's no running. You can run away from it. You're gay. And then I can say from the age of 17 to 18, I realized my identity and who I am. And I started dating guys. Um, and my, and I met a guy that I really liked. And I used to be a manager of, uh, a manager in a hotel in Tel Aviv. So whenever I did night shifts, they, they gave me, a, they gave me rooms in the hotel. So I slept there. So that guy that I met, whenever I went to sleep over his house, I gave my mom an excuse that I'm going to work and I'm staying overnight. So I went to his uh, home and I was such a stupid boy. I mean, I wasn't answering calls and text messages, you know, for the next 24 hours. My mom thought that something happened to me, like literally something happened to me. And uh, I called her after like, uh, I think 20 hours. I called her mom, I'm all right, I'm coming home. And she was like shouting in the phone, you better be at home now. <laughs> and I called my best friend and he told me, listen, I don't know what you feel, but I feel this is the sign to finally tell your mom who you really are. Because my mom is not that primitive person. She's very open-minded. She have a gay friend. She, always, she grew up with that kind of people. And it's funny because her gay friends always told my mother, you will see your son will be a gay guy. And they were laughing. Yeah, it was a joke. It was a joke between them. Um, and I came back home and I wrote her letter because I was so stressed that I wouldn't say the right stuff in front of her. So I wrote a letter. Listen, you, you know that feeling when you're writing a letter and you don't think too much, just writing it. And, and, and the words that keep coming and coming. I wrote her a letter of four, four pages. Oh, four wow. Pages. And then she came to my home. She came home. She came back home. She read the letter. She was already about to go inside my room and, and kick my ass. <laughs> but she, she read the letter and then she started crying. Like, oh. really crying. She came to me. She hugged me. And the first thing that thought, and this is what, this is the moment where I understood that my mom is special. When she came to me, she said, why did you keep that? Why haven't you told me all the time? I mean, it's not that I'm stranger. But the thing is that my mom and I wasn't that close before I was coming out because I was keeping a secret. And after I came out, I felt like I won my mom again, I would say. Like, we got very close and our relationship got better. And, uh, and yeah, my whole family accepted me right away. My grandmother, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. The thing is that they were surprised because I didn't give any sign. They didn't see anything. So yeah, maybe the only thing they could see that I'm not really dating that much girls. And maybe that would give them the sign that something is, uh, something is happening. Something is not right, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, this is my coming up story, coming out story. That's it. It's not, I love it. it's not drama. It's very like, no. you know, 
Well, I love it. I love it. It sounds the thing that gets me with both you and Moses's coming out stories is that it sounds like I have a ton of friends who are gay in the United States. I was the person my freshman year of college. A lot of them would come out to me before they would come out to people they knew because we had just met. And their your stories sound similar to theirs. So it, it it it's just crazy to think that a place located in the Middle East would be as tolerant as America. In America, I think people would even say is intolerant, but I don't know. It it sounds like you have a perfectly normal, accepted experience. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think that the I think I don't know if you know the history of Israel, but Israel wasn't used to be that open-minded the whole time. The real changes happened in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the winning of, I don't know if you know her, Dana International, you know that singer? I probably do, but I'm not. She won Eurovision. She's huge. Let's say that if the drug queens in America would hear her, they would go crazy. All the RuPaul drug race know her. She's the first trans woman to win Eurovision. Eurovision is that the music context of Europe. Mm-hmm. So she was winning that for Israel. And she started the revolution of uh, the LGBT community. The first the first gay parade that takes place in Israel was in 1999, um, uh, right away after Dana International won. And since then, it is only progressing more and more and more and more. And now you're seeing LGBT presence in the parliament, and you see them everywhere you go. You see them in hospital. You see them everywhere. And the progress here goes fast from year to year. Now, I'm not saying that there's no homophobia in Tel Aviv or uh, in Israel. You will always find homophobia. You will always find, wherever you go, even to the most open-minded places, you will find homophobia. But Israel is indeed progressing into a brighter future. It is not something I can say about the countries around us. And I can also say that about the Arabic communities that lives within Israel. You know, the amount of stories that I keep hearing from my friends who are else are uh, Muslim Druze is insane because I feel so honored that I was uh, growing up to my family because it's not something I should take uh, for granted, you know. Um, my, my I hear stories of, uh, of kids that are being thrown away and in the worst cases, also unalive, trans men, trans women that have been unalive. It's tough. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good thing to mention in the panel. Well, thank you so much for doing this intro. And now we will get into the panel with everybody else. Um, this might be my favorite my favorite panel I've ever done or my favorite podcast I've ever done. And thank you again to Moses for the idea. Um, But we have Sahar, Lenore, and Moses here to discuss all things LGBTQ plus in Israel. And I'm I'm really excited. I think you guys are going to love this. So you guys have already gotten to meet all of them individually in their their individual segments. Now... Let's get into some questions that I'm sure everybody has about about what it's like to be LGBTQ plus in Israel. The first question I have for you all is hearing your coming out stories. They sound remarkably similar to friends of mine in the United States coming out stories. It sounds like 
you know, we already knew this, but Israel's an incredibly progressive Western country that accepts LGBTQ people. Do you guys agree with my assessment that coming out in Israel is maybe similar to what it would be in America? In some ways, yes, and in some ways, no, because um, it's still different cultures. Yes, we're very Americanized, but it's still different cultures. Um, for an example, Israel is much more uh, warm, family-oriented environment, um, and sometimes it's still hard, even in Israel. Lenore and Sahar, do you guys have any? Yeah, well, well, well. Um, there is, there is, um, uh, who is going to answer first? Um, I think it's, <laughs> let's say that it depends, uh, what side of America you, uh, comparing to, but, um, Israel is, I'm agreeing, I'm agree with Moses, uh, Moshe, it's, um, um, some it's very family oriented. Some sides is um, more L, more pro LGBTQ, and some some sides are more um, like depending by religion. Let's say something like that. But yes, very similar to to the states. Um, I mean, I have nothing more uh, to add, but I'll just say that I think that the Israeli society is. Uh, is a very powerful society, so that's why you will find similarities between the two societies. Um, I think that, as I said before, um, you will always find, you know, uh, homophobia, primitive people, narrow-minded people who are not so open or gay-friendly to the topic, um, and it's not unique to us, Israel or the United States of America. But there is indeed a very similar between the between the both societies because they are very progressive. You know, also America, I mean, only in the, the 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 last twenty years have been so progressed when it comes to uh, legalizing uh, LGBT and LGBT uh, uh, life and and uh, marriage and you know. So yeah. Well, thank you for kind of confirming but also there that is i do think israel's more family oriented oriented you guys are right um my next question so and lenore i don't have this for you yet but moses and sahar are at least part mizrahi jewish and so do you still, as a Mizrahi Jew, feel a connection to the Arab world? And does that change your opinion or like make you feel a certain way about having the rights that you have in Israel versus what you would have if you were still in Morocco or Libya or somewhere like that? Well, um, n not really, not really connecting to the, um, it's, well, let's start like that. It depends on who you talking to because my family my father and mother came directly from morocco so um so i can see that the similarity between my family my my close family to the to the arab uh, um original world they bring from morocco but 
I can see the change with, to, with my family by my sisters and my brothers. They are very different because we, I don't, I don't think that we, we are more Arabic uh, or Moroccan than we are Israelis and are like, we became a different, a different, uh, uh, um, Israelis, like we, um, establish ourselves here and we are exactly like all the Israelis that came even from Europe. So there is no difference between the the new generation than the oldest one. So no, no not similarity to my, uh, to the, to Arab nation, more similarity to Israelis as we create it, as we decide to create it. I think I, I think there was some discrimination in the early years of Israel, um, but it's not really existing today. Like like let's say like in America, uh, society progressed uh, over the years. Uh, so was us. We progressed again. The people from you cannot really compare the mentality and how people live like in the 50s and the 60s up until today it's completely different society um today we're way more progressed and i don't think that's discrimination you know what for the most part i don't think it exists anymore yeah i think that I think that in general, the more progressive you are, the more tolerant and open-minded you are to differences and uh, differences between us in our society. And I think that Israel is very influenced and affected from the Western world, as we should, because we're always comparing ourselves, the country, to countries like Spain, America, Canada, you know, like uh, big democracies that we're we want to be like them. Uh, we never compare ourselves to the countries around us because we consider them, with all the respect, a failure. A failure societies that are failing to achieve and bring uh, the benefits and the rights and the freedom that the people who lives in it deserve it. So I think that the more Israel is progressing, or any country who would ever choose to open uh, open its doors to the West or to the free world and uh, to cooperate with the world will be more uh, progressed, more open-minded, more tolerant. I mean, I can give you plenty yeah. of examples. I guess in America, we'll... In our, our foreign policy, when we talk about it, the main objection a lot of people have, especially in the Middle East, is like, well, they don't share our values. So why would we even want to deal with them? I'm talking about Saudi Arabia or something like that. It's not, but I guess with you guys, it's like most of them don't like Israel anyway. So it's it's a non-starter that they don't have the same rights. And you don't, and I, what I'm hearing from you guys is you don't feel such a connection to the lands that your families immigrated from. I don't feel any connection. I think that, I think that the, the biggest mistake people are doing by saying values is mixing culture with values. Now, all, I'm saying on TikTok that you should not mix values with culture. Culture is one thing, values is another thing. It doesn't have to come together. If you are open-minded to differences uh, 
within you and your society and you're adopting democracy values, it doesn't mean that you're giving up your culture. You can still be that Arab, but open, but, 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 but uh, accepting the LGBT people. You can still be that Jewish, but accepting freedom of speech and freedom of movement and all those values that we believe in. It doesn't mean that you need to give up your uh, culture. It's literally a human rights that each and every human being deserves in the world. The fact that the Arabs trying to show as if the Western world has a Western culture is incorrect because try to compare the French culture to the Spanish culture. Try to compare it to the English or whatever. You won't find similarities. It's completely different culture. But yet still, all of them share the same values, which is freedom of speech, freedom of movement, freedom of prayer, freedom of Women uh, rights, freedom and, autonomy. Exactly, freedom to LGBT, vote. LGBT, minority rights. Same values. That's what I'm saying. You don't need to give up your identity or your culture, especially not even your religion. That's it. That's how I see it. It's more, yes, it's it's feeling like more traditional way to live your life than like to be open-minded or, or to know that something else waiting for you because it's more traditional. Um, I can say about... If, if I if I see the the trans community in Israel, so uh, the trans community in Israel uh, splitting to the trans women that are Muslims in Israel, and they tradition is more it's like more stone to to the way for them to how to behave, how to act, how to walk, how to be a even how to be a female, then. The Israelis Jew in Israel that they are trans women that they want to be more independent, more they have like more values, more more um, uh, not not culture. Like they they take away their life from uh, from the point that they decide to be a trans woman to the point they they want to be a uh, independent woman. Yeah. Then. Like to be married, to be the wife of somebody, and this is more Muslim tradition in the trans community as well. Yeah, that goes to a yeah, that goes to a point I was talking about with Sahar, where he was saying that he can tell the difference between the gay community that are Jewish and then Arab Muslim, and then you're saying you see that with the trans community as well. It's starting. I think it's starting from the gay community because before we became trans women, we became part of the trans of the gay community. So I think it's a tradition to to I call it tradition, yes. But I can see that they um, they want to to dress as a bride and to be the wife of somebody, to clean the house, to behave like lowest. Uh, um, Independent, independent, or or or, or, the, or less than the guy that they have been, or or run away from the house. So you can see a lot of differences between inside the trans community between trans Muslims to trans Jews. That's so interesting. I did not know that actually. Because you are not the CEO of trans woman organization. <laughs> 
It's basically what you're saying. The the Muslim trans women they want to be more dependent. They want someone to take care of them. They want to take care of someone and someone take care of them. They want to be dependent. Yeah. They want to be. They want to be their moms. They 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 behave like their moms. They want to be a wife of somebody. Sometimes they they really get married to a guy that probably married to a different woman, and they create fake life in Tel Aviv as the wife of somebody, even that he's uh, uh, right now with his original wife in, in, in whatever village he live. And it's you can see that and sometimes we are laughing about it, but this is the real the real life that they want to have. They want somebody will tell them what to do, tell them how to behave. And it's all you can see the difference between between them. Wow. The background's really influencing. Yes. And so her, you were saying that, that you say that in well, the gay community as well. That me personally, I'm a little bit like that as well, but not in the way that Lenore said. Um I wanna be if you ask me what I wanna be in ten years, I wanna be a stay home husband. Uh Raising, raising two or three kids, um, but still, yeah, I'm going to be someone husband, someone's husband, but I'm not going to be his husband. Still, even though if I'm going to be a trophy husband, it's still not going to be like uh, the stereotype of it. I'm still going to be independent. I am. I am very independent. I am very independent woman, and I am. Uh, I'm doing everything by myself. I don't see, because even my mom, that she came from Morocco, she wasn't like that. She was. She wasn't the wife of the husband. She was very independent. She was working. She was like a hairdresser, and she didn't let my father to to act. Even my father wasn't like that anyway, but act as the as the main guy in the house, and she's supposed to do things for him. She was very independent, and and I had two two parents that are working, so um, I got that from my mom. So 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 that's how high that's how I am. But um, to see a lot of trans women doing all the transition just to be wife of somebody it's it's their life well speaking of the transition there's only one other country in the middle east that allows transitioning i believe and that's iran but they force transitions right because they don't have gay guys yes can you talk a little bit about that like to me Going through that transition because you're forced sounds like going through on your own volition is a great thing for people who want that. Being forced to, to me, sounds like very, I, I just, do you have any insight on that? To be like, to be a gay guy in Iran, it's a miserable life because they choose your life and you, they choose how you need to act your life and to go to do operation without uh, uh, opinion about it. It's terrible because I remember that I was in Thailand and when I did my surgery and I saw a lot of trans women in Thailand that 
came fly to Thailand to fix the surgery even because the surgery wasn't like great. So they came to Thailand and they told me that they didn't want to do the surgery. They are gay guys. And in Israel, it's... Um, um, it's became it's became like that on the seventies because um, the the government decide that if some trans woman want to do the the transition, she need to go uh, to a medical uh, procedure before she will decide to do the surgery, and the government will pay for that by the uh, public hospitals in Israel. And we can see a lot of um, uh, growing, like grassroots or growing up by the surgeries because um, I think um, many years ago we have only one hospital that doing that. Right now we have three hospital, public hospital that's doing the surgeries to a trans woman by the government that giving you the option to do the surgery by um, by founding that um, and I think to my opinion it's it's great because I'm speaking with trans women like in Egypt that in Egypt only university helped them to do the surgeries because it's not it's illegal to be gay or trans in Egypt in Jordan, I, I it's more open-minded, but not by the government. Like you can accept a lot of trans women. You can see them on the street. You can see them on Amman and places like that. Um, they are most of them are prostitutes and um, sex workers. And I think just because they are tra uh, sex workers, they can afford their self private surgeries. In Lebanon, it's illegal. So you can see, like, uh, in Syria, they will be died. So even gay guys. So you can see around Israel how they're behaving to the trans community. In Israel, it's democracy. Like, you can choose to do a surgery, and the government will pay for that. Sahar and Moses, do you guys have any opinion on forced transitions? I think it's horrible. What can we it's, say about it? It's horrifying. If someone doesn't have body dysphoria and they've been forced to transition, that's that that the thing that can trigger a body dysphoria. They can that itself can cause someone to end their own life. Um, that's that's horrifying. I don't want to be even thinking what would have happened, what I would have done if it would happen to me. Um, I don't feel like a woman. I never felt like a woman trapped in a man's body. And um, it's like uh, I don't even want to think about it. But it's this is why I don't think. Like I will correct you a little bit, uh, Amanda, about what you said in the beginning. Another country that allows it. It's not allowing. It's not freedom. What Iran is doing, it's not freedom. It's it's not even, I will not even call it pinkwashing. Because it's not pinkwashing. They they are so obsessed with the with with gay people. They literally turn in men into women 
just for the sake of not having gay people, because then they can say to the Arab to the Arab Muslim world, we don't have gay people. Look, it's a man and a woman. They're not gay. So that's uh, that's the obsession. That's pinkwashing, because I don't even know what's happening to lesbian les uh, lesbian women in uh, in Iran, but. From what I'm seeing and happening with gay men forced being uh, transition, I'm only can imagine that they're probably again being forced marriage to men. And I'm, I'm just grateful that I'm not living that type of life. So pinkwashing is one of the favorite insults that Western people like to talk about with Israel. Israel's pinkwashing, a.k.a. celebrating the rights it gives to LGBTQ people, and that is wrong, I guess, according to them, because it's, I don't understand. Pinkwashing comes from, in the concentration camps, the Nazis made people wear an upside-down pink triangle if they were gay to shame them even further. And I've had experience where I made a video about that on TikTok and they said, there's no correlation. How dare you compare us to Nazis? Netanyahu's a Nazi. All day. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Listen to me, all felicities out there. Why surprised the same very people were siding with the Germans back in World War II are taking the definition of the same very people that discriminated Jews, gays, LGBT people, disabled people, Slavic people, etc., etc. The list is so long, those people are disgusting. Why are we surprised that they are taking those stuff and using it against us? They are using the Yazis as to claim that Israel is a Yazi, Nazi uh, Germany. They take the swastika signs, they put it on the Israeli flag. They are defining the new anti-Semitism and hate in the new era, let's say, you know, because they don't want to be categorized as Yazis. So they are definitely taking what they have done and use it against us. Now let's talk about the pinkwashing bullshit. Israel don't need to explain anyone nothing in the world. Let's let's start with that. And continue with the fact that we don't need to explain the world that we are in a progressed society and that we accept LGBT people and we accept the differences between us and that we are a society full of coexistence and that we respect all the minorities within us. We don't need to explain that to anyone. Anyone who wants to really know Israel can come, take a flight, land in Tel Aviv, and see it for himself. The fact that they are calling it pinkwashing is that because they don't have anything, anything to hold against Israel. They know that the truth is that the Palestinians are a very homophobic society, not just them, but all the Arabic societies around us. And we don't really need to go and dig down uh, that much. We have the Arabic societies in our country where they are very separated from the main society 
from the mainstream society and they are discriminating LGBT people in their societies. In the worst cases, they also analyze them. They analyze trans women, they analyze anyone who's uh, considered gay, lesbian. It already happened hundreds of times here in Israel, inside of Israel. So I don't want to think what happens outside of Israel in Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Egypt, and all those countries. So for them to come up and talk about pinkwashing when their countries, or especially those LGBT people coming from those countries, trying to defend things that they know is incorrect and they know that it's false to support that kind of regime, people, society, for me, it's double standards and hypocrisy at its best. I will never support a society or a country that discriminates anyone, not LGBT people, not any uh, religion group, religious group, sorry, or not any other ethnicity. I will not do that. Therefore, I will never support the Palestinians and I will never support the Arabs until they will change their uh, 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 their uh, treatment towards people who are different than them. They're not just discriminating the LGBT people. I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant, but I have to say it. They are not only just discriminating the LGBT people, they discriminate women, they discriminate people who are not Muslim, they discriminate everything that is different from them. But whenever you tell them that things, and whenever you criticize them, you're immediately becoming an Islamophobe, an anti-Arab. Immediately, there's no place for criticism. There's no place for uh, for self-judgment. They are not able to listen to the outside voices telling them, hey, you are wrong. You're doing something wrong. They 100% believe that they do something right. And to see people from my community in all societies standing up for those people in the name of, I don't, uh, they might not have the same kind of life that I have and do not accept that, but I do not accept genocide as they love to claim. Like seriously, who are you even supporting? People who want you analyzed. This is sick and stupid. And people who want me to be dead are my enemies, and I'll fight them till I'll convince them differently. They are pro, basically, they are only pro freedom of speech and criticism, even constructive criticism or any type, only when it serves them, only when it serves their uh, goals, what they want. But the second you criticize them, they are the untouchable ones because how dare they're you? criticize me and this in that same second you become islamophobic um even though we know that a phobia islamophobic it means that you're supposed to be afraid of muslim people but we're not that's that's what islamophobic should be and and but when we're telling them something is anti-semitic they don't agree with that that's not i have and then they use that the, I have a black friend trope, but they use Jewish instead. Um, what I want to say about the pink question is literally coming from the same people who are trying to cancel our indigeneity and take it away from us. Um, the people who keep telling you, what's your definition 
of something when my definition of something means shit, means nothing, because my definition doesn't matter. There is a definition of genocide. There is a definition of Zionism. There is a definition of apartheid. There is the definition of pinkwashing. And they say, well, my defin they keep saying my definition. Yeah, your definition, I don't care about it. I don't care. The definition of, of let's, if we take um, Zionism, um, just, uh, just an example, is for the Jewish people to self-determine in their ancestor homeland of Israel, their indigenous homeland. And, but they said, no, that's not what it means to me. Well, I don't care. That's the literal definition of it. But if we go back for a second to the pinkwashing, um, it's like, <laughs> it's, it, it's funny and it's sad at the same time. From, from those people, it, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, I'm having trouble to speak about it in English even, um, because, well, English is not my native tongue. Um, they're literally, <laughs> when they're saying, um, well, the Israel doesn't have gay marriage. And yeah, don't you forget that literally this year, not even like almost like around the middle of this year, it's only been 10 years that America legalized gay marriage in 2014. America up until 2014, for over 270 years, America didn't have gay marriage. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, I mean... Even the way we legalize gay marriage, it's not like all of the people that we elected to go. Yeah, it was done. Yeah, it's it's not even like we all stood up at, together and said, we're going to pass this legislation and this bill. We had the court do it, which is a huge cop out, which makes me mad because they the just as easily as the court legalized it, it could be overturned by a court decision. And uh, look at Roe v. Wade, for an example. It took 50, so again, those people are forgetting that in 50 years, in their lifetime, gay marriage can go on like this. Yeah, sorry, can, can be disappeared like this. Like, um, just like Roe v. Wade. Uh, they don't appreciate what they have. I don't think, I don't think so. I think they're taking, uh, taking it as, um, as granted, basically. And when I'm saying to those people, um, Israel is only 75 years young. It's 75, it's, I don't know, it's like seven and a half in years of, of countries. Um, where the generations of our founders are still alive. Like, a lot of them. And uh, me, my prediction, and I think both Sahar and Lenore can both agree with me that probably in the next 20 to 30 years um i think or even and i'm taking the worst uh, possible possibility ever like expect the worst and maybe and then you'll be maybe if nothing bad happened you'll be okay and that we're gonna have legalized gay marriage and not just gay marriage civil marriage also the marriage situation in israel people are forgetting we inherited it from the ottomans I'm the last Muslim empire. It's just, I don't, it's a fucked up situation that we, we still have it, yes. But it's, it's like, if I will get married 
to someone, let's say in Cyprus, what, what, that's what a lot of people are doing. There are literal companies who help people do it. You go there, you stay for about 24 to 48 hours, you get married there, and you come back here and you are recognized as married. And that's it. Yes, I still don't think that I should leave my country to get married. Yes, we, you can ask us, all of us, we are full of criticism towards our government and the governments before that, like even before the scoring one. Um, but it's still, we know we can literally be out and proud and walk by this, uh, around the street and nobody will do anything to us. We have the biggest pride parade in the Middle East or perhaps the world is happening in Tel Aviv every June. Um, we have pride parades almost in every city in Israel. And I think, in my opinion, that the most important one is the Pride Parade in Jerusalem. Uh, because it's my capital city. Um, and it's way more important than Tel Aviv. Um, so when they say pinkwashing, just wait. Give us time. It's not pinkwashing. We are regular citizens. We're not taking advantage or saying, oh, we're gay, so this is why Israel is a good place. No, that's not the case. Just before the war, like about a few months before the war, there was a Knesset member, one member of our parliament, who said that LGBTQ people are more dangerous than Hamas, Fatah, and, and Hezbollah. He said it, and he, and there was, there was, he said it on TV. There was a huge backlash against him, even now, for saying that. And I know that that's idiotic saying what they're saying that's that's just showing the ignorance the blind hatred and the indoctrination and again the same from the same people who are saying i don't hate jews i hate zionists and they're forgetting to notice to to see the small detail that the zion that, that over 95 percent of jews are zionists in one form or another and that they are in the in the globe. There are more Zionists than Jews themselves. They're just forgetting those facts. Um, yeah, basically, I think pinkwashing is a is bullshit. Go to Nike. What they're doing every point month—that's pinkwashing. Not us. I'm you're saying Nike as an example. Um. <clears throat> To my opinion about uh, what they say about pinkwashing, it's like you don't have any gay rights in Israel, so why you defend a country that don't have any gay rights? And I think me and my friends here, we choose to believe uh, and we asking ourselves what we are first. We are a Jewish first, we're Zionist first, we are Israeli first, and we are gay and we are trans or gay guys, uh, we can decide at the meaning what is our uh, um, option to be first. And yes, when I am argument with my government, I'm trans first because my trans community is before. And, but when I supposed to defend by any who uh, about uh, Israel, I am an Israeli first, I'm a Zionist first. So. This is um, this is not a pink washing because we are not doing we are not 
protecting government debt against us because not only gay pride uh this is our uh, not only gay pride our uh, option to do we can see that government put the hands on their on the pockets and give us a lot of money to um to uh all the all the organizations the gay organizations in israel they, they the government support we have a lot of supporting by the government i was the first trans woman that was working in the knesset um and you can say i america is like a liberal or or but you cannot say a lot of trans women inside the government or the or the or, or um yeah, all over Europe or probably in the states there is no a lot of trans women that they are doing history so we are right now we can say we are young country we are a young country 75 years it's all it's only uh, um, um, it's only young for uh, different countries on the world, and we we did we did a lot of things in seventy five years. Then that a lot of countries didn't do in two hundred and seventy years. No, that's okay, Lenore. In your last point, I think you made a really good point. Where when you're fighting for trans issues, you are trans first. But when you're fighting other people, you are Israeli first. You're a Zionist first. That's a concept I do not think Americans understand. I don't think Americans understand what it's like to be, um, like Americans. What? Oh, I just can we can we delay on the fact that what is a Zionist exactly? Because I feel like people are taking the Zionist as something bad, as something that is forbidden to be. Zionist is literally believing that Israel has the right to exist. That's it. It's not kind of term of discrimination or whatever. It's just what it is. And the fact that they are taking Zionists and Zionism and try to give it a new definition, this is the new definition of anti-Semitism. They are taking those kind of stuff and using it against us as Jews. And then they say, no, there's Jews and there's Zionists. And unfortunately, and unfortunately, there are Jewish Americans who are falling into this. Naive Jewish Americans that are falling into this bullshit. It's a There's dehumanization trap. When people ask me, you cannot say, you cannot say that you are Arabic or uh, Palestinians uh, or uh, I don't know, Muslims. It's the same in Israel. It's the same thing to be an Israeli. Zion, it's a, it's, it's a different name that belong to Israel. Israel have many names that God give them. So Zion, it's one of the names. To be a Jew, it's, it's one trial between 12 trials that have been in Israel. And we belong to this trial because this, this trial was... No, when someone says Zionist, what is Zionist? I'm an Israeli Jew. Just like there's Israeli Druze, just like there's Israel and Israeli Muslim, there's nothing as Zionists. It's no, it's no longer relevant to the reality of today. Zionism, Zionism were a movement that, were, that their main goal was to create the state of Israel, a Jewish homeland for the Jewish people. 
the right for their self-determination. When people tell me you're a Zionist, what is Zionist exactly? I'm an Israeli. I'm an Israeli Jew. So it's I, I think it's like like in Germany in in the uh, World War II. It's like to give you a different names uh, um, to your to be to make to do a method. It's dehumanization. How... They're trying to take our humanity yes. from us. They don't see us as human beings. Yes, absolutely. So to tell you, our Zionists, it's not a curse for us. It's just one of the methods they want to do to be to make you not human. The thing is that Zionism was over on 1948 when the Jewish country was established. The same second when Ben-Gurion, our first prime minister, uh, announced the state of Israel and declared we got our sovereignty, that's it. Zionism is over. But today, um, when you called someone, all of us were Zionists. What does Zionist means today in, uh, in Israeli society and even in Jewish communities worldwide? Uh, patriotic. You just love your country. Like Americans who love the country, it's proud to be, I'm a proud American, I'm a proud Zionist, I'm a proud Israeli. That's it. But I think that goes to the point where, like, I, I don't know what it is with you guys. Maybe it's being that you come under attack. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But there's this notion in America where if you if you perceive the government as being against you one iota, you don't support America as a whole. And you guys are all having problems with your government, but you're still very supportive that your government should exist. And maybe that's because nobody with legitimacy is trying to wipe America off the map. Um, and I don't think there's any country that's okay with its government in the world. It's coming from a place that's or black or white. It's this or that. But if people are forgetting, between black and white, there is infinite infinite uh, shades of gray people are forgetting that it's just because you don't agree with one aspect of something doesn't mean that everything is a whole this whole concept is wrong we have a lot of criticism towards our government from all sides from all sides and and you probably heard me on a live saying that um i love to see when other uh americans uh i'll take an example americans who visited israel and i love to see that they got the israeli point of view i can recognize that you see they speak they think like israelis and a lot of people do and i love it because they have the same criticism as me i love criticizing my government it's not just uh, you know what love is a strong world a uh, word um it's like, I feel like I'm kind of obligated. And it's a privilege. And it's also a privilege of me to criticize my government. Um, a lot of places in the world cannot do that. And <laughs> it's just, it's, I don't know, it's, it's annoying. It's annoying when people... You know, you know what's so funny? Um, in America, 99% of the uh, African-American was the family was slaves, but you don't see them say, I am still an African. 
they said, I'm a proud American. Like they, their loyalty still to the land to bring them to be slave them. Um, uh, Native American, the same thing. You can see they, they conquered the land and they still say that um, they are proud America. Yes, we have a lot of conflict. We have a lot of problem with our government. I, I don't think that we are walking on the street and everything is amazing. I don't think that we are uh, rich more than a lot of places in the world, but we, we at the time that we should protect our government we will do it it's it doesn't matter who will be the the uh prime minister at the same time it could be a religion it can be uh i don't know because i can tell you that uh um few weeks before october 7 few weeks before october 7 we had every saturday night uh uh uh, uh we protest we did uh, um, against the government yeah, for protest. about ten months. There was supposed to be a protest on yes. October seventh. For this, for that night, for that evening, there was supposed to be a huge protest, like one of the big ones, to mark the ten months. And at and at the time that we see and we saw what happened on October seventh, we put our differences on the side. I put my trans woman on the side and became, how you call it, Zionist, Israeli, whatever you tell me, I, 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 I put my, my shield and my first shield is to be an Israeli first. And you know what's so funny about it? All the people that like debating on the media never in their life have been in Israel, probably in Palestine never in their life their family ran away at the beginning of the beginning of the time from egypt from lebanon from syria from from jordan from 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 the west bank they ran away from them and they're living life in america with the first language english and their culture and their democracy and they protecting places that probably would kill them if they are not belonging to none of the freedom fighters so-called terrorism it's exactly like my mother is american my father is canadian canadian i was born in australia but i'm palestinian exactly it's exactly that that's that that that's that's stupidly insane when and when they told us go back to go go back to germany my family never been there, but excuse me. I think what's funny with what I found hilarious and funny with the people who are defining themselves as Palestinians to the people who literally lives in the land is that whenever those people who live in the Western world societies will come and go to the West Bank and Gaza, they will see the differences between them to theirs. They are fighting for people who literally doesn't speak the same language as them because they were educating in a different society, in a different uh, system of education. Um, they grew up differently. Just because they are holding some Palestinian flag and a scarf doesn't mean that they are the same Palestinians who live in the 
land. And I doubt it that even those Palestinians that live in the land will consider them as people who originally are from here. And then you will start to see that like discrimination between the people who live in the land and the people who, who left the land. It will happen. That's what I tell those people who are, they say, I'm Jewish. Yes, I am Jewish. I'm not a Zionist. I, I don't agree with Israel. I think Israel should be from the river to the sea, uh, which it's a chant that we can all say it's a genocidal chant. Because then the, the same people who doesn't know from what river to what sea. So I tell them from Atlantis to Narnia, from the Atlantis River to the Narnia Sea. Um, that's basically what I tell them. Um, those are the same people. I'm I'm a Jew, but I'm not a Zionist. And but what I tell them all the time, on the line we were stand together side by side, and we're probably gonna hold hands on the line to the crematorium. They will not care if you support them or not. They will unalive you the same way. Just because they're tokenizing you, and you feel like they're your friends, and I and I. And I prove it to several Jews here on TikTok, Jews slash like people who are half Israelis or just, I showed them, look, those people are tokenizing you. And when they looked hard and they re-inspected everything they, they had with this specific person, oh my God, they were right. I was tokenized. I was taken advantage of. Um, to see, oh, we have a good Jew. We have a good Jew. Me, personally, I don't support Netanyahu. I never voted for him. I can, I'm can. i voting since 2013. I never in my life voted for Netanyahu. Nothing. I hated him even before I, I could vote. And I will never vote for him. Never. I'd rather not vote, go to the, go to the voting booth, and uh, disqualify my own vote. I will rip the envelope instead of voting Netanyahu. But I hate more the fact that they're making me defend him. I hate him. It's like they will make a leftist, a whole hard leftist, support Donald Trump or defend Donald Trump. Think about that. Um, I can say I can say something about even the differences between like Jewish on the states and Israelis because. Um, I remember that I was living in Houston, Texas. I was lived in Houston, Texas, and I go, I, I go to a comedy bar with a friend, and it was like a Jewish comedian, um, and it wasn't funny for me because all the jokes was very Jewish American than Israeli. So we have a different uh, humor. So you can say that all the the people that are so-called calling themselves propi uh, uh, or even Palestinians or whatever they choose to call themselves, when they live in America uh, drinking uh, um, Subway or whatever and um, take care about in inside, uh, caring about uh, innocent life in Gaza, they don't do nothing except go go to live and get some points and uh, gifts from from the audience. They don't really care about it. Sometimes you can see then that even Palestinians' family here in Gaza, 
can call her sister in in the states and asking only for money because she need money right now to to live their life in in Gaza and um the joke is that they like really pissed off they don't let you talking about it they don't really accept that that and they don't really care they uh, uh um taking off the life and go back their their american life the american dream they living the american dream the Australian dream and and you can see that the culture is different the language is different they the everything it's different probably the history that they learn too is different and i'm really feeling sorry for the palestinians that this is The people that defends you because we defend our government from the first class from the from our experience we defend ourselves from our experience they defend people in Gaza they d- probably don't want to be defended by them and they don't want even to be defended by the age group and In Gaza they just want to live their life they just want to get inside Israel and work and bring bread to the family that's only the things they they, they want and they call us colonized we colonized Israel that's so funny that you live in Australia or probably in in, in United Kingdom that colonized a lot of places in the world and you you tell me about my colony colonized Israel and if we want to really colonize Israel I said it on live yesterday we have the Golden Dome in Jerusalem we can colonize that and bring back the temple why we didn't do it so why we why the population of the Palestinians growing up every year we can colonize them yes we can close our gate and said no one get inside to Israel to work right now you can choose what to do what you what you want to do and that will be like how they call it genocide but we choose do not do genocide all the kibbutz around Gaza and was very two-state solution all the time their opinions is two-state solution and you came and all the age group came and the 7th of October killed them and even killed 20 families of Muslims Israeli Muslims their father is still not held up in Gaza the four Bedouin family one brother was unfortunately unalived Um, and one of them was from the three hostages that were unalived by accident by friendly fire from the IDF um, and then the one daughter and one brother were uh, brought back in a hostage exchange um, well a hostages exchange for prisoners who commit terror attacks if you want to be more accurate uh, hostages for prisoners Um, ratio of three to one um, because they demented ratio of three to one and we're still the bad people for agreeing to it um, and the father is still there the father said they even unlocked like uh, two or three Palestinian people who came to work Palestinian from East Jerusalem who were minibus drivers who drove people to the Nova party and one of their nephews who just tagged along. 
with them because he wanted to, you know, he wanted to go party. So he got like a free pass to a party, you know, because. So tell me. <laughs> That's insane. We also saw, I think all of us saw and everyone saw what happened to people who trying to uh, raise a, an LGBT flag in uh in a in a pro-palestinian riot we all saw we all saw what happened we all saw the beating and the, the ripping of the flag i just want to see one one person from queer for palestine going right now to palestine i just want to see how we go even out. now in the west bank they will still be they will still be they will tie up their limbs into four cars or four uh, motorcycles and they will start driving just like they did in horses in the Middle Ages. They will, they will torture them and unalive them. Conversion of the most horrifying conversion type as conversion therapy. You are saying everything that I think of, so I will not repeat myself. Yes, I can just tell you a story before um, probably we end it, but um, one month ago, I got a phone call in Friday night, and on the phone call was an Israeli Arab Israeli um, that told me that uh, there is a trans woman that her father took her from Haifa to Nablus to um Yes, he took her from, from Haifa and he wanted to kill her in Nablus because she is a trans woman. And I use all my connections just to stop him in the middle of the world because we found our we found our her salary and the number where, where she was exactly. And I... I the police officer stopped them and he asked her next to his father next to her father do you feeling safe so she lied and said yes and the police officer called me and told me she's feeling safe so i told him wait a minute separate them separate her from his from her father and ask him the same question and he separated him her sorry from her father and um, she said, no, I'm not safe. Save me right now because he's going to kill me. The day after she called me, her father was arrested because he wanted to kill her. So, yes, at the time that I am protecting Israel in the middle of a war, I saved Palestinians, trans women, because that's the right thing to do. And I can say, I can say that I... I really feeling sorry for a lot of innocent in innocent in, in in Gaza or West Bank, um, but when you choose your freedom fighter, don't accept us to be com compassion about it. I'm sorry for them, yes, but if the if Israel told you take off your children from from the places that we are going to bomb, do it and don't stay. After that, you can see all the videos, probably half of them are fake, yes, but you can see a lot of videos that 
to unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of uh, um, the uh, unalived people. Well, we do know that they unalive their own people by themselves. Unalive killing. We're using TikTok language. Um, they're killing their own civilians. We saw it on countless videos. They're even taking away their food, their aid, everything. They, we see so many photos of the same child literally being dressed by the same clothes and being taken away by the rubble by different people. Literally just dressed one child in dirty clothes and they're standing next to the rubble. Don't accept, let me tell you something and I'm gonna wrap it up. Don't accept an apple go banana, okay? Those people we are facing on TikTok are the very people we're fighting against when it comes to freedom of speech, when it comes to protect LGBT people, when it comes to all the values we were raised on as people who are part from the Israeli society and a society that believes in democracy. So I'm not, I'm not even triggered when I get to talk to those people because I know that they are the very people who are part of the story of Lenore where the father wanted to analyze his daughter because she was a trans woman. They will do the same to LGBT people, to lesbians, to gays. So I'm not surprised. They will use the values of democracy and what we believe in in order to manipulate the naive people in the West as if they are peaceful. They are the very people who discriminate each and every human rights daily, not in, in, in a year, in a day. So, yeah. yeah it's, those people just have a savior complex. The, um, it, I don't even call it white savior complex um, because it's just a savior complex. You want to feel like you're doing something. You want to be a part of something. So you don't check the facts. You don't care. You don't care about stories just like what Lenore have said about people being kidnapped on broad daylight, like the story about, about Muhammad Abu Maria, um, like the story of the, I, for, I forgot her name, uh, about eight months after uh, the story of Muhammad, who was kidnapped on broad daylight from the street of Tel Aviv and were unalived by his father and his uh, cousin and his brother just for being gay he got refuge he's got us he got asylum for israel for like two years um so they don't care about those people they tell us we're lying um they don't care about this story that happened afterwards about uh, there was a uh, a gay palestinian woman she was a lesbian and she was unalived by her father and her cousin uh, sorry, brother. Uh, she was unalived by him because she would not, because she's a lesbian, she did not agree to marry a man. It was an arranged marriage. She did not agree to it. And that, that's insane. That's insane. They don't stand for those people. They are just, and pardon my friend, just fucking hypocrite who are bored out of their life. They have nothing to do. They're literally jumping on a train wagon, and those are the same people. They're comparing themselves to the people who marched with Martin Luther King, 
who was a who was a raging Zionist. There there are comparing themselves to the people who were doing uh, protests sitting inside of restaurants against segregation. Who was also when you see the white people majority of them sitting next to black people on those lands are Jewish who happens to be white because we all know Jewish Jewish people are not white we're white presenting but not white um, they don't care for those people though they are they are thinking they are the people who's gonna stop the war in Vietnam they're not they're not they're just they're just a bunch of degenerates idiots who don't really care about the facts they will not go and do a deep enough search and you know what how do you know uh, americans just like you who has nothing to do with you have no skin in the game um how do you become like uh, a zionist or pro-israeli by listening to both sides trying to uh Ignore all your biases and doing your own independence research. And then all of them becomes Zionists and pro-Israelis and they're all saying, I did research. And if you notice debates online, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, whatever else, we do it, the, me and Saharo and Nora do it mostly on TikTok. Amanda, you were a part of those debates for, especially after like uh, October 7th. And... One thing that remains um, constant for all the, for, from for less over a hundred days is the pro-Palestinian side, pro-Palestinian side keeps saying, "I've heard it from someone. I have a friend. I have a family. I've seen like this when I was there. When I was this, they're talking about emotions. They don't care about facts. They're trying to rile you up emotionally, and because this is how humans works." We are bringing you cold, hard facts. And what we are saying, they're saying, trust me, bro. We are saying, go fact check me. Please go check me. We are keep saying this time and time again. Go check what I'm saying. Because to every Israeli uh, action, uh, retaliation, something before happened. Go check. It didn't start. It's like Hebrew Hammer always saying uh gilly hebrew hammer it's like when he is saying you don't get to choose a point in history and then when history starts it's not true everything that was there it was action and reaction action and reaction action and reaction something happened and none, no one welcomed us with open arms here we there were continuous jewish presence on this land and this conflict has been going on ever since 632 um, AD. Uh, ever since the Muslim conquest of this area, this conflict is going on. Um, the newest iteration is the Palestinians. The, the Palestinian identity who was invented, was created in 1964 by Yasser Arafat, who himself is an is Egyptian. Uh, and I'm daring someone, go open up his tomb. You want to prove that he's Palestinian, even though we know there's no such thing as Palestinian DNA. Open his tomb, take a small sample, DNA sample. We can do that. And go check, and you're going to see Egyptian. Uh, that's, that's the thing. This is why I hate all those 
stupid idiots who are usually usually under the age of like 25 the same people who believe Osama bin Laden would let her to America it's changed their lives yeah they're, they're beyond repair same people but hopefully doing things like the, this those are hopefully doing things like this more people will see it more people will hear from you guys this perspective you guys decide Hopefully I can Americanize it a bit so they can understand why we should listen to you guys because Americans are very proud and we only like to listen to each other. So, yeah, I, I hope that doing things like this will push out the truth. But so I think we can wrap it up here. Thank you guys all for doing this. I just want to say one last thing, if I can, if I may. If I may, one, one last thing. Am Israel Chai, Israel will prevail uh, over everything. Our, our, uh, mer our mercy, our Israel mercy will prevail over the wrath of the terrorists. Amanda, I just want to say thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you for, for your support. Us. Yes, and thank you for your support. It's not uh, uh, it's not usual, um, but we know that Americans support Israel, and we're proud to be a airline uh, with America. So uh, thank you for much. Thank you very much for the for the podcast. And I'm just happy to have to really to have met you, and to our Jewish community to be so big. Uh, got got so big, and we find so many allies and so many people who really does support us. And again, keep criticizing; it's good. We love we again love criticizing our government, and we love uh, we love our community. We we love just I don't know how to explain. Again, I'm Israel Chai. That's it. So wrap it up. Yes, yeah, so. Yalla, talk. Um, that's it, honey. If you want, Come on, girl, put the bass in your walk. That's a new. I don't do like. <laughs> I'm a fucking shit. I'm sorry, honey. Exactly. Bye. I'm just just gonna say, look, this is the necklace I'm walking with. Thank like you. I'm just saying. Adios, Felicia. Bye, Felicia.